Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden. Big shout-out to everybody listening in Philly. We're going to get into the Pennsylvania election a little bit later. But right now, I want to talk about the weekend, right? We're headed into the weekend, Memorial Day weekend. And there's a lot of uh, memorializing, sadly, that we have to look at, not just to honor the fallen, those that served in uniform, those that have gone before us, but this tragedy that you've been hearing about all week, the biggest story of the week, is the story of the uh, shooting in Texas. There was a guy that went out there and he killed a bunch of kids, little kids, in a fourth-grade classroom. And it's it's horrible. It's horrible, and I, I want to jump into that because an 18-year-old boy or man who was bullied over a speech impediment. He wore skirts and black nail polish and went into a killing spree moments after he shot his own grandmother in the face. And he only lives with his grandmother because his mom is a drug addict and he couldn't live with her anymore. I'm incredibly sorry for the whole story. Everything here is horrible, not the least of which are all the families that lost the lives of these precious children. 19 kids, two teachers. This is a horrible loss, a horrific tragedy. It really is. And we have to be smart. We have to be vigilant. We have to be safe. And sadly, as much as we want to and as much as either side of the political spectrum wants to stop all evil, you can't. It's just not something that we can do. And it's important that we recognize that we can't stop all evil. I pray that this never happens again. But I realize that my emotions have an expectation, while my view of reality has another. And what I mean by that is we, you know, we want to see justice. The guy's killed, but we want more. We want to know that things were done correctly. We want to know that things were done right. We, we want a boogeyman because we want justice. I pray this never, ever happens again. I really do. But I understand that the school had barricades in place. It had guards. It had exterior patrols and door buzzers and locked classroom doors was the policy. Yet this still happened because not all of it happened. And there was some information that came out immediately. And that's why I don't like to jump into these things right away because the first report isn't always the right report. And that's kind of what we saw happening here. The first report that came out was then contradicted, right? The first uh, news that we heard of it was from Governor Greg Abbott saying this. The first thing that happened was that the gunman shot his grandmother in the face. She then contacted police. The gunman fled, and uh, as he was fleeing, had an accident just outside of the elementary school, and he ran into the school. Officers with the Consolidated Independent School District, they approached the gunman and engaged with the gunman uh, at that time. 
The gunman then entered a back door and went down two short hallways and then into a classroom on the left-hand side. Now, we now know that that information that was given by the Texas Department of Public Safety to Governor Abbott was not accurate. And I'm going to give you the update on that in a moment, but let's finish this clip. The gun room uh, entered into that classroom and the classroom was connected internally to another classroom. Border Patrol, Consolidated ISD officers, police, sheriffs, and DPS officers converged on that classroom. And a Border Patrol officer killed the gunman. And thank God for that Border Patrol officer. And as I understand it, he was a border tactical guy, full body armor. He was a SWAT team guy that responded to this because these guys either weren't prepared, didn't know what to do, or had a problem with what they call critical incident command because there were so many different police agencies responding in uh, somewhat um, desolate areas, I understand it. Uh, There's so many questions that are left unanswered here. And I'm not here to beat up the cops. That's what Joe Biden's doing. I'm going to play some audio on that in the next segment. But I I want you to hear what the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety had to say, or I should say the spokesperson, uh, Officer Escalon, because he's the director there, because he explains that the initial uh, information that we were given was not accurate. It was the shooter that was shooting outside, not exchanging fire with police because they had not arrived just yet. Listen to this. It was reported that a school district police officer confronted the suspect that was making entry. Not accurate. He walked in unrestructed initially. So from the grandmother's house to the bar ditch to the school, into the school, he was not confronted by anybody to clear the record on that. Four minutes later, law enforcement are coming in to solve this problem. People have questions. People are upset. Moms and dads want to know what's going on. There are little babies that have been killed. And I don't I, I don't even like doing these shows. Uh, I honestly really don't. And the reason why, because I, I have such a Uh, a love and admiration for my own children. And I can't even entertain the thought of what some of these parents are going through because to me, it's horrific. It really is. Uh, It it actually, it it bends me out of shape, if you will. So I'm going to try and get through this as best as I can because it's the national conversation, but I don't know how much of this needs reform. I think we need to do what we need to do. They're saying he came in unobstructed. Obviously, there's a budget for the cops. You have your own school district cops. You have fences. They even said there was a protocol or a, a budget item in place for armed security that had canine officers. So they, they had canines that did perimeter patrols. Um, again, I don't know if that's misreported, but point being, They took the steps to create the protocols. Now they have to implement them and make sure these things happen. Because if every door is locked but one, then what happens? And he addresses that. Listen to this. So right now, it appears it was unlocked. Like I said, it goes back to the investigation. It takes time. Uh, We will find out as much as we can why it was unlocked. Or maybe it was locked. But right now, it appears it was unlocked. Now, there's a number of issues here. One of the issues that arises is we don't know if the door was locked. I understood. And the reason we don't know, because there's eyewitness testimony that has to be uh, reviewed. Statements have to be taken as part of the investigation by detectives and investigators. And there's video that has to be reviewed. And uh, nearby video that may catch things. Somebody's ring video, traffic cams, other cameras. This, you know, 
it takes time to figure out. What I want to know is why this gentleman, and I get it, everybody's under pressure, but you're the guy they pick for the job. You're the guy that's supposed to have words when there's pressure. That's why I like Trump. He knew what he had to do and when he had to do it. Now, I'm not trying to beat up this cop. What I am trying to say is you, we have to be responsible. And I think today this press conference was irresponsible. I think it's important when you don't have an answer that you go out there and say, look, here's what we know. Governor Abbott mentioned this yesterday. We've since learned X, Y, and Z. We're continuing to unfold matters in this investigation. As we have more information, we're going to bring it to you. So we're giving you a statement right now. We're not taking any questions because we're still uh, developing the, the story or gathering the facts. I think people would have respected that. And they would have said, all right, now we go and report what we know. But instead, I guess he tried to do the right thing and take questions from the audience, and it became crazy. They were they were on top of him because everybody wants answers. They want to know what's going on. Why was this guy shooting off rounds across the street at a, fu- a funeral home? Why was he outside the school building shooting off rounds, and yet there was no response? Why is it that there was a door that was left open? Uh, again, I wasn't there. I'm not trying to criticize. These are just questions that arise, and it's important. Because we're not, I don't want to politicize it, although I politicize everything because that's what I do. I find the politics in these stories and call out the hypocrisy and make the juxtapositions and offer my commentary. That's exactly what I do. But that's not what I would do if I were mayor. It's not what I would do if I were the police chief. It's not what I would do if I were president. Because I realize, first and foremost, you have to apologize and provide empathy to these people. My job is to be a commentator of politics. But that's not their job. It's to lead and to create laws and and be an executive and manage, offer public safety. People need to know their roles and and slow down. And when Joe Biden comes out and says, oh, I'm so sorry about this whole thing, and that's why we got to go, God, I'm so God, and he mentions God 10 times in his uh, first, you know, few-minute speech, basically to indict the gun lobby, saying as if the gun lobby went and did this. Now, I saw somebody commented on one of my Instagram posts giving kudos to the police because it was a cop ultimately that took this guy out. A good guy with a gun, as they like to say, ended this this killing spree and saved the lives of all the other kids that could have gotten killed. The guy had something like 300 rounds, probably enough to take out everybody in there. So the question becomes, are we going to sit here and blame the cops? No, I give kudos to the cop. But some people say, no, you know what? 18 years old, you shouldn't have access to a quote-unquote assault rifle. Now, I take exception to this because I think, look, let's be very frank here. Everybody that I know that owns an AR-15, just about everybody minus one single person. I know one person that's a competitive shooter and uses an AR-15 for his competitive shooting for sport. Every other person I know that has an AR-15 that I know, I'm not saying the ones you know, the ones I know, they have it so that when somebody else with an AR-15 comes at them, they're equally as prepared. They're able to defend themselves, their home, their life, their property, their family. It's an effective tool for self-defense. Period. The end. Guns are not here to give massages. A gun is a tool that we use for safety. And if you're a bad guy, you might use it for attacking, for to harm someone. That's a given. Same thing uh, like anything else that's, you know, uh, mace, whatever safety tool you want to talk about. And, and this is an age-old thing. Guns don't kill people. Keep People kill people. I've been talking about this for a long time, and you've heard this stuff before. The bottom line to me here is when, when the guy in Waukesha, Wisconsin, ran over those kids and those old ladies in the Easter, and excuse me, the Christmas parade, 
last Christmas. We, we can't sit here and indict the SUV and say that I can't believe that man had access to an SUV. He had a criminal rap sheet, you know, a mile long. How could you let a guy like that in a car? Now, I understand that you can't really compare a car to a gun, but you can make the juxtaposition and say, look, when bad people want to do bad things to lots of people at once, they don't just solely use guns. You can use a car. You can set a fire. You can do a lot of things to cause a lot of violence, a lot of harm. And, and that's just the, the facts. And that's not going to stop drug dealers from getting guns. It's not going to stop any bad guy that wants to get a gun because bad guys know how to get guns. Just ask Barack Obama and Eric Holder because they were selling the bad guys guns years ago, right? What was that called? Fast and Furious. If you don't know, look it up. So the question here becomes, are we going to sit here and blame the gun? Are we going to sit here and blame the cops? Well, Biden wants to do that. And I, like I said, I have an audio on that. But this is an ugly time in our history. It's an ugly situation. It's a stain on America. And some people just want to make it absolutely worse. Listen to this. Why don't Democrats declare a culture war on Republicans on guns? As Coach Kerr said there, I think it's about 86% of Americans who support background checks and legislation that he talked about. Why not go on offense? On the so now why don't we go on offense? And the reason that that's Nicole Wallace from MSNBC, the reason she's calling for people to go on offense is because she wants to politicize this. Now, again, I will call out the politics, and I'm not trying to put myself on any moral high ground uh, above her. I, I hope that I already am on that, but I'm not specifically trying to do that. But I'm saying, what what is the need to politicize this? What is the need to create a law? This guy, um, Salvador, I'm forgetting his name now, but the, the killer of all these little kids, how is it that this man, boy, Teenager, 18. How is it that we're going to say that he did what he did because he had access to a gun? Do you really believe a guy that gets on Facebook and says, I'm going to go shoot up a school, a guy that shoots his own grandmother in the face, is not going to do those things because he wasn't able to, this, to go to the store and buy those things? That if he went to the store and he said, no, we don't sell AR-15s anymore, that he wasn't going to do it with another gun? Or he wasn't going to figure out another way to cause this massive harm because he has a, a sordid and hurt and horrible past? Of course he was. I mean, at least that's my understanding of it. I mean, some people might want to disagree and say, nope, nope, you're wrong, Rich. If there were no access to guns, this guy would be a complete saint. Maybe, but I think that's a foolish approach because people politicize these things. We have lots of problems in this country. People want to point out, and there's a clip, I'm not going to play it now, but a clip of the uh, reporter saying, oh, you know what? Here, the big problem here." is that this is a unique to America problem. This is only happening in America. Now, of course, that's not true, but it does happen in America more than it happens in other places. But lots of things happen in America more than other places, right? We have the highest rate of fatherless homes, single-parent homes. So we have more broken families in America than anywhere else on the planet. We have more obesity in America than anywhere else on the planet. We have more immigration, both legal and illegal, than anywhere else on the planet. We have the most drug use, illegal drug use, a lot of it's coming through the border. And there's so many other areas. I mean, we may not be number one in teaching transgenderism, but that's definitely confusing and hurting kids. And I can tell you that this killer, he was a boy that wore a skirt, not a boy that wore a MAGA hat. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. We're going to keep on this topic. Plus, we're going to get to Biden and his attack on the police. Uh, in the bottom of the hour, we're going to have a guest coming in to talk about what's going on with this Pennsylvania election drama. 
So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's brown. He's Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com bald and he's breaking it down this is america with rich valdez all right america welcome back rich valdez valdez with an s at rich valdez on all the social media welcome back to the program big shout out to everybody listening on 1210 wpht in philadelphia thank you everybody listening um uh streaming thank you for listening and i know we have a big audience in california and texas and uh, again big shout out to texas our heart goes out to you as well as Florida, and um, big shout-out to all of the listeners everywhere in America, including those in Michigan. And I want to get into this uh, stuff with school boards uh, outside of the shooting, and we'll jump back into it. But the, the question of school boards comes with, this is uh, Joe Biden, right? He, 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 he goes after school boards. He goes after the police. Matter of fact, let's play this uh, going after the police, because I think this audio in particular of Joe Biden going after the police is timely because uh, Thursday was the anniversary of George Floyd's um, um, killing and whatnot. So I want to um, talk a little bit about that because he just goes into all of this stuff. It's all perfunctory. It's all show. It's all sizzle and no steak. And he's so driven by politics and trying to score cheap political points that it's, it's kind of sickening, in my opinion. But I want you to hear what he had to say. First, the executive order promotes accountability. It creates a new national law enforcement and accountability database to track records of misconduct so that an officer can't hide the misconduct. It strengthens the pattern and practice investigation to address systematic mi- misconduct in some departments. It mandates all federal agents wear and activate body cameras while on patrol. Second, the executive order raises standards, bans chokeholds, restricts no-knock warrants, tightens use of force policies to emphasize de-escalation and duty to intervene to stop another officer from using executive force, just as occurred. It didn't occur, but people testified it didn't occur in George Floyd's case. 
And third, the executive order modernizes policing. It calls for a fresh, fresh approach to recruit, train, promote, and retrain law enforcement tied to advancing public safety and public trust. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. But anyway, you could hear him uh, struggling through that, like I like to call him, Joel Baboso Biden, babiando his way through that, bumbling and stumbling, good old Joe Biden. And to me, this is, A, it's just ill-placed. You have, this comes a day after the the cops go and save the day. Whether you want to try and indict the cops for, for not getting in there quick enough or not, the fact remains that the cops took them out and everybody was looking for a cop that day. Everybody wanted a cop to rescue their kid because that's what happens when you're in a tough spot. But instead, Biden says, no, 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 you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to indict these cops. I'm going to create this executive order to tell people you can't do this and to talk about no-knock warrants, which, again, this executive order, I'm sure, will impact federal agencies. But this isn't going to do anything at the local level. It doesn't use his position for what he could really use it for. If he wanted to really make change, he would get members of Congress to to lobby their counterparts and to move this from the state level at the grassroots level. But that's not what's happening. This is just a political stunt. And, you know, it's like one political stunt after the next. And, and it's sickening to me. But the reason is because they fuel it on MSNBC and then the politicians and the wannabe politicians and the politicians that want to pretend to be um, activists, they go and they try and heckle people too. And and this is what Beto O'Rourke did. Mr. I'll come and take, hell yeah, I'm taking your M16. Remember him? Yeah, so Beto O'Rourke, uh, former congressman from California, he goes and he decides to rush the stage while Texas Governor Abbott is giving a talk about the tragedy that just happened. And he's like handing it off to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and as he begins, and you can hear the other people in the audience, they're very upset. And I like to think, if this would have happened in New York and Philly and somewhere in the inner city, I think Beto would have, somebody would have slapped the taste out of his mouth like Will Smith did. Listen to this. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. S- sit down. You're out of, you're out of line and an embarrassment. Hey. S- sit down. I don't play this so there he is he's heckling he's in their face he's waving his finger he's just disrupting and disrespecting everyone i don't think anybody (laughs) i don't think anybody appreciates this that's beto i can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue i tell you the southern hospitality was running deep there it was running deep because this didn't need to happen, but Beto O'Rourke chose to do it anyway. Why? Because he's a clown. And were the police there? Yeah, there was one cop in his face, you know, kind of ushering him back, doing what he had to do. But it makes me think, you know, you have the Republicans here that are trying to do the right thing and talk about what's going on and to provide comfort and answers for their community. And then you have Beto O'Rourke coming in grandstanding because he wants to run for governor and score some cheap political points. It's just like Biden scoring cheap political points, attacking the police. And it's like attack, attack, attack. Now, listen, I attack people, too. I'm not trying to score political points. I'm not running for any office. But my point is these guys are fakes. They're phonies. They're frauds, to quote the great late uh, Bob Grant. Now, that's not the only thing that happened. I mean, there was also the um, clip from MSNBC. Now, this MSNBC clip that I wanted to play is Joy Reid. Now, bringing it back to the gun conversation, 
Joy Reid, what a disgrace. Listen to this. Please spare me, but don't politicize this, Jets. BS. Because these deaths, these record numbers of American slaughters are political. They are happening because of uniquely American politics. They are. She is so right. Pause that. The reason she is right, yes, this is happening because of American politics. It's American politics that are pushing children to become transgender, to explore different opportunities, to paint their nails black and and eventually leave school. Right. This kid left school because of a bullying problem and whatnot. He had a speech impediment. They're so for this and for that. Now, look, I'm not going to blame that kid's problems on the Democrats solely, but I am going to say there's a whole lot of problems here that they could have addressed. There's a whole lot of everything going on because it's the Democrats. And let me disassociate the political party, but the movement within them, right? There's the far left within them. There's the moderate left within them. There's the the super pro labor union part of them that, that's within them. And everybody has some culpability, uh, culpability here, whether it's the teachers unions uh, overtly turning away from their actual responsibility in the classroom, in public classrooms, and taking the mantra and the mantle of we are going to create the most woke society on the planet. We're going to have more transgenders than anybody. We're going to have more LGBTQ than anybody. This is going to be great. We're going to have more teachers with green hair, and we're going to have boys wearing skirts. And one of these boys wearing skirts ends up doing this because he's hurt, and he's hurt from so many levels, not just the school system. His mom was a drug addict. I mean, I think this is a full circle problem where you have somebody who was miserable, and realize I'm going out and I'm going to take a lot of people with me. Because most of these guys go out with a, in a blaze of glory in their opinion, right? They, they, they want to martyr themselves. They're like, you know what? You guys mess with me. I'm going to mess with you. I'm taking everybody down with me. And it's sad and it's unfortunate. But they're like suicide bombers. And, and it breaks my heart all, all the way around. But Joy Reid, when she says that it's the politics, it's not, it's not Trump's politics. It wasn't Make America Great Again that got this guy going out there doing what he's doing. It just simply wasn't. This kid has been led down the wrong road. And it's not because of conservatives or Christians or or traditionalists. It's because of radicals on the far left. Play the tape. Happening because 327 million Americans are essentially hostages to a morally and financially bankrupt gun lobby. Morally and uh, corrupt and bankrupt, morally uh, bankrupt uh, Biden. Right. Or Democrat Party or far left movement. I would agree with all that. The gun lobby, perhaps they might be soulless, but it's the gun lobby isn't forcing a gun into anybody's hands. No, but Rich, they're making them available. Lots of things are available. You know, I wake up every single day and I don't go buy heroin. I wake up every single day and I don't go shoot anybody. And I can only use myself as an example. But when she talks about three hundred and twenty seven million Americans, you know what? Most of them do the same exact thing I do. They go to work. They don't use drugs. They don't shoot people. They don't rob people. They don't burn buildings down, federal buildings or anything else. They don't shout people down in the streets. They're good Americans that want to do the right thing. But there's a, there's a small amount of people. And that squeaky wheel, it likes to get the oil. Go ahead. Play the joy read. And the heartless, gutless politicians that they buy and own. I can agree with that. And please stop thinking that there is some body count, some level of brutality and carnage that will move them. These Republicans and their two pet Democrats. 
Well, let me go a step further here and say, you're right. There is no level of death or carnage that will stop the evil Democrats. If uh, I'll play her game, right? Look at the lengths that they've gone to to support the killing of children in the womb. Look at the lengths that they go to to support uh, how, how you could even, they, they've proposed even doing it afterward. In, in California, there was some crazy bill about, you know, if, 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 if you've just given birth, almost like a buyer's remorse. Ah, if you decide you don't want the kid, no, no problem. We could take that fetal tissue. We can, we can do something with this. I mean, it's, I know a guy who knows a guy. It's absolutely insane. They will stop at nothing. There is no blood or gore or carnage that will stop them. So I think this is the fundamental divide that we have. She thinks that of me. I think that of her. And then we presume that everybody that is in disagreement with us is one of these evil monsters. And the reality, most people don't even care about politics. The reality is most people don't have extreme views on anything. They, they don't. They don't stand for anything, right? So they'll fall for anything. They're like, I don't know. I don't care. If you want to do that, do that. That's what most people think. As long as it doesn't affect me, go ahead. Do what you got to do. The problem with that is eventually we get to a place where we are. So you tell the transgender kid, oh, you don't want to do that. Don't go to school. Don't go to school. Oh, you want to put on nail polish and wear a skirt? Go ahead. No, no problem. Yeah, no problem until he goes into a school and shoots people. Why? Because he had a mental illness that was underlying, even though it wasn't diagnosed. People don't, in good health, unless there's some sort of performer or actor or whatever, and even them uh, have mental issues, the, you, don't, you just don't do this stuff. You don't go around. Now, now there's reports saying that he would take a BB gun and he was shooting people and he was never arrested for that. And I mean, again, you got to be careful with the reports. Some of them are real. Some of them are phony, fugazi, whatever. The point is, we have this fundamental divide, and we're always going to have it, but we have to realize that not everybody in these camps is Joy Reid. Not every leftist out there is Joy Reid. This is why I always say we can't hate the left. We have to figure out a way to work with them because we live with these people unless we want to expect more carnage like we saw with this school shooter. And that's Those are my two cents there. Now, I want to talk about Joe Biden and the administration because, man, now there's this new crazy thing that they want to do or that they consider doing. Yeah, Rich, what's that? I'll tell you. School board organization, the uh, National School Board Association, they wanted Biden to send the National Guard to school districts. Yes, the military. They, they were planning on asking to deploy the Army National Guard and military police to school districts to beset parent protests over policies including mandatory masking and teaching critical race theory. And this is according to an internal review that's published in the New York Post. Stunning. This includes a draft letter to the president from uh, last September, ultimately removed by the final version of the National School Board Association. The letter was ultimately sent on September 29th, and it was signed by Slavin and then President Viola Garcia and argued that verbal confrontations and other incidents at local school board meetings across the United States constituted acts of malice, violence, and threats against public school officials. And you know the FBI created some threat tag to, to track this stuff to, so that you could be considered a domestic terrorist. Now, rightfully so, I would say, um, you know, a local thing. I don't think this is a federal issue in any way. If you go to the podunk school board and you tell the teacher, I don't like what you're doing, you better stop. And then the superintendent says, hey, we're not going to have any of that. And you go, listen here, you moron. You say another word, I'll punch you in the nose. All right, so you get in trouble for threatening to punch him in the nose. Granted, I get it. Okay, you should. Right, you got to learn how to do things slick like uh, the mayor of Union City once did a few years back. He, uh, he, he said, hey, you want me to punch you in the nose? And the guy pressed charges. And you know what the court said? 
The court said he was asking a question. They agreed with the attorney. Do you want me to punch you in the nose? It wasn't a threat. There was no violence intimated. It was a simple question of whether he wanted him to. And they let the mayor off the hook on an assault charge. So uh, no terroristic threats, none of that. That's the beauty of being a Democrat in a blue state. But my point here is those things are handled and adjudicated locally. And that really happened. That's Brian Stack, by the way. Brian P. Stack, Union City Mayor. Um, bottom line here is we have to get a hold of what's going on. We're, 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 we're unraveling um, both sides of the spool here, right? We've got the government going after parents, and we've got students, kids, that are going out shooting up the, uh, the black people at a supermarket in Buffalo. Another kid here going into a, a school and murdering little kids. This isn't where we need to be. We can't afford to be here. This isn't America. How much are we willing to lose before we step up? What's it going to take to destroy this country? I'd say we're close to the brink. What we need is revival, spiritual revival. People, and I'm not talking about a tent meeting, but yes, if that, you know, if that fits, no problem. But I'm talking about a, a revival of the American spirit a renewed confidence and love and Americanism and American excellence and, and exceptionalism of our nation, patriotism, loving your neighbor, humanity, back in style, liberty, making a comeback. Not what we have right now. Not the woke agenda. Not Leah Thomas. Not school shootings. Not grocery store shootings. None of that. Anyway, up next, Jennifer Stefano. She's going to join us, break down the political stuff that's going on with the Pennsylvania Senate race that is down to a hair, less than 1,000 votes apart. The lawsuit plus, can Trump win Pennsylvania? She thinks so. More to come straight ahead. Rich Valdez, this is America. This is America. The 45th president, Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. What's up, Philly, everybody? Listening on 1210 WPHT, I have a special guest for you that I want to jump into. Again, if you're chiming in online, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Uh, but there's this op-ed that's in the Philadelphia Inquirer, and it, it goes over a topic that I think is interesting because we were kind of uh, on this theme of, you know, what's going on with the uh, primary election in Pennsylvania, what's going on with this lawsuit from McCormick saying we need to count ballots that have no dates on them. And it sounds counterintuitive, but I want to bring in an expert because uh, Jennifer Stefano knows exactly what's going on, and I've got her on the line. Jennifer, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, Rick. My pleasure. So I want to dig into this. I want to get your reaction to, to the lawsuit, and then I want you to take apart piece by piece the op-ed that you put together. Yeah, look, um, there, there's going to be a, a recount of the vote. They're going to have to recount this Senate vote. Um, they're going to have to do it by, I believe, June 7th. Uh, it will At least it has an end date. I, I can say with certainty for that. And I think we should just let this process play out, um, that the votes recount. It's very close. I think it's what, off by a margin of 0.1%. So um, 
We'll see. I mean, it's a little chaotic and it's a little uncomfortable, and I understand that. But I do think in this instance, let the process play out. All right. Yeah, I can agree with that. We have to let the process play out. We have to have the recount. We have to do all that. As far as the lawsuit goes, I don't know if it's a good idea, and I don't know that it positions us well for future elections to count ballots that have no dates on them. But we'll see how that plays yeah, out in no, court. No, you can't. Look, the law is very clear. I sent a mail-in ballot. I didn't date it, and they said it's going to be invalidated. And you know what? Rightly so. So I happened to not be traveling. I was supposed to be. And I was able to get to my polling place in person, and I had to cast a provisional ballot. So I I think the law needs to be followed here um, and that I do not want activist judges making decisions about the elections. I made a decision about the election. Either I did or didn't follow the law and um, consequences fall where they may. Um, That's what I think. I agree with that. Now, this op-ed that you have in the Philly Inquirer, this I think is fantastic. It came out this week. And you're talking about how we've got rampant crime, not only in Philly, but really across America and a lot of uh, urban centers run by Democrats, runaway inflation and telling parents that they can have no say in their own children's education. So I think you're, you're hitting uh, on every cylinder there. Break it down for us. Right. Well, all of a sudden you start to look at the voter registration in Pennsylvania and realize something shocking. The Democrats are losing ground precipitously and have been uh, since President Obama was elected in 2008. He was able to win the White House twice, but in a swing state like Pennsylvania, he made it far easier for Republicans to win. And they say in the article, you know, who knew that rampant crime, runaway inflation and telling parents they have no say in their children's education would be unpopular? Well, conservatives. Um, Conservatives have been um, hammering on those issues for a year, pushing the Republican Party to adopt a more um, a stronger platform on those fronts. And um, they did. The Republican Party did. And to their credit, they have been able to um, pick off Democratic, uh, moderate Democrats and independents and move them over to the Republican Party. Yep. And folks, we're on with Jennifer Stefano. She's obviously a a political analyst that you guys know in Pennsylvania, but she's also the executive vice president of the Commonwealth Foundation. And we're discussing her latest op-ed in the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what what your thinking is. Uh, I know that a lot of parents, whenever I'm on the air and we're taking calls and whatnot, a lot of parents call in and they say, you know what, I'm going to the school board meetings. I'm getting more involved. Uh, Even retired teachers that don't even have kids in the system anymore, but they're saying, you know what, I'm getting more involved in this because we're in, headed in the wrong direction. What's the sense that you have uh, based on, you know, your everything that you're doing with parents getting more involved in the political process, specifically because of schools? What I noticed is that the role of activism, of, of an activist, was really confined to the Democratic Party and to the left, right? So you think about the hippie movement, even prior to that, the beatniks, etc. Mm-hmm. It was always people with more left-leaning ideology, um, or progressive ideology. They were sort of the boots on the ground and the ones active and getting engaged. And then the more conservative people, regardless of what political party they were registered under, tended to you know, go to work or go to take care, go to church, take care of their communities, and weren't overly engaged in politics outside of voting. I think you're now seeing a shift. I think what you're seeing is people that have a more, uh, and again, when I say conservative, it's not, it's not every conservative issue, but rather believe parents have an important role in a child's life. Uh, They believe in family. They believe that jobs are important. They don't want the government to pay for them or their lives. They just want opportunity. That mindset, which I would call a conservative mindset, those individuals before they're too busy working too busy raising their families now they're saying i can't be too busy because this is going to come through the door and impact me and my life that was me i was never engaged in politics or or or, or public policy today i am for that very reason now so perfect example 
So do you think what's happening to you is, uh, and I think that's the case you're making in the piece, do you think it's happening across the board with more and more people? Yes, I do. I think more people realize that it's no longer a simple act to go out and vote and that if you vote for a certain political party, for instance, many Republicans thought if I just pull the lever R, the Republican, that they'll keep government out of business, they'll keep government out of our lives, and all will be well. Uh, That's not necessarily true. There has to be accountability after election. It's a 365-day-a-year job, year in and year out, to um, live free. Um, in, a, in a way that we all want to live free and not have the government overly infringe on us, but be in a proper, rightful place. So I think that that you're going to see more citizens who are not necessarily political in their own lives engage more politically, simply because they realize no politician or political party will ever stand up for their views as well as they themselves can. 100 percent right. We're on with Jennifer Stefano. Uh, who is the executive vice president of the Commonwealth Foundation. Now, Jennifer, let me ask you this. Why did you do it? Like, what was the uh, tipping point for you? Why politics? Yeah, that's a great question. And like all virtuous people, it was largely to get away from my mother and mother-in-law. So (laughs) wait for it. I had just had a baby. They were driving me crazy. It was the first baby on both sides of the family. And um, I couldn't couldn't get away from him. So I woke up one morning early with the baby. I said to my husband, quick, pack the car. Let's get out of the house uh, before our mothers arrived. And it was the first, you know, nice day out. And we did. And I stumbled on a political rally. It was um, the early, early days of the Tea Party. It was against the bailout of big corporations. Um, and I loved it. I really was inspired by it. So I signed up to volunteer. Next thing you know, I'm on national TV. I'm writing articles. I'm organizing people never had done any of that before. So, um, you know, I had a baby strapped to my, my, my back. I was pregnant again and, and doing all this. And what I realized is it's just, you may not be interested in government, but it has become very interested in you. Okay, it doesn't matter your politics, doesn't matter what you believe. It, the government is overly interested in our lives in a way it should not be. And wow. so we have to uh, make sure the government stays in its proper place. I'm not an anarchist. Government should be limited. Right. I get it. No, me either. I agree. Government has a place, but it should be a very, very small place with very limited influence. And thank you for that. I I appreciate that because I think a lot of people listening really relate to exactly what you're talking about. And that's pretty much most of the time that we have in the segment. But I want to give you a moment to just talk about the work that you're doing and let people know where they could find you and follow your work. Yeah, so you can find me certainly on Twitter at Jennifer Stefano, um, and I'm with the Commonwealth Foundation. You can go to our website, commonwealthfoundation.org, and um, we'd love you to follow us, and, and um, I'm, I'll be in the Philadelphia Inquirer every week as their new columnist. Excellent. That's Jennifer Stefano from the Commonwealth Foundation. You know where to find her. Follow her, check her out, support her, go to a couple of rallies, get involved. More to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos, para Rich Valdez, y esto es América, ahora. Yeah, you know, that's the problem. You got to speak English. It's America, Richie V. Yeah, thank you very much. Hola, ¿cómo estás? I hope you guys are having a great 
uh, kickoff to your Memorial Day weekend. A big salute to everybody that's served, everybody that's fallen, obviously. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I want you to remember to tune in Sunday morning, 6 a.m. I'm giving you the scoop before anybody else does. And, of course, keeping you company on Saturday afternoons, 12 noon, here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And I want to get into a really short clip I have. Now, I normally don't talk about this guy. He's described by many as a Bond villain. And in my opinion, this guy really is a whack job European. Now, remember, all of the bad things that we don't like in life came from Europe. Fascism started in Europe. Socialism started in Europe, nationalist, socialist, the Nazis, that's that's from Europe. Uh, you've got good old Karl Marx, European. Uh, so all of this stuff um, that we don't like, that, that it has its birthplace in, in the bowels of Europe. Now, I don't want to trash all of Europe. I know a lot of us have European heritage, myself included, in going back to Spain. But it's important that we realize where things come from, who's who and what's what. So when a some crazy globalist clown like this guy, Klaus Schwab, who I rarely talk about. He wrote this book about COVID and this great reset. He, he's he's a whack job today. He was a whack job 30 years ago, but he's got power. He's got sway. He's got influence. But when he says that we, we must increase the resilience of the people in case we have another virus pandemic. Anyway, you know what? I don't do it as good as he does. I want you to listen to him. Check this out. We have to reinforce our resilience against a new virus, possibly, or other risks which we have on the global agenda. The global agenda. Of course, there's lots of things that are going on on the global agenda. I think he's a jerk. I really don't like talking about him. Uh, but he's in charge of this silly group that wants to take over the world. <laughs> and, they, and they literally sound like Dr. Evil in real life. So if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil like this guy to triumph is for you to do nothing. Have a great Memorial Day, everybody. Check me out at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, and we'll talk again real soon. Hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.